say when I was in the practice of law, I didn't love the practice of law. Um, I was in litigation and burnt out and didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Uh, and so I had to kind of make a decision. Do I stay in the profession or do I go and find something else to do? And I got to a point of realizing you know, there are two types of people in the legal profession. There are those who practice and they're fantastic people. And then there are those people who take care of the profession and the people in it. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, Introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today we have another guest for you. This is an exciting one. Our guest today is... Ryan Payton. Ryan is the director of Colorado Attorney Mentoring Program and the director of Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice. Uh, let's see. Ryan is a former litigator and a seasoned consultant and advocate on professionalism, diversity, and equity in the legal field. Ryan is a frequent commentator, presenter, and lecturer. Prior to joining CAMP, Colorado Attorney Mentoring Program, Ryan focused their law practice on civil litigation with an emphasis on LGBTQ families and civil rights. Ryan has been routinely recognized for their legal practice, most recently earning the 2019 American Bar Association Rosner and Rosner Young Lawyer Professionalism Award. Ryan sits on the boards of several Colorado legal organizations and currently leads the Colorado Bar Association as president. Ryan earned their law degree from the University of St. Thomas law School of Law and holds an LLM and undergraduate degree from the University of Denver. A lot of mouthfuls there. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, it's it's my pleasure to to host you, and I really appreciate you taking out um, the, some time from your precious day to hang out with me, um, and that by by definition meaning hanging out with my audience. So um, we what I like to do is when we we start off uh, um, an episode, I want people to get to know who you are. That bio, the pre-canned intro is great, but it doesn't really tell us who you are as a person. And I, I'd like you to give us the broad strokes of, of who Ryan Payton is and, um, and what's, what's exciting that we're going to, that we're going to jump into today. Sure. Well, I like to call myself an accidental lawyer. I never really intended to, uh, become a member of the legal profession. I actually wanted to be an FBI agent uh, and work in behavioral health. And obviously it's really hard to become an FBI agent. So I went to law school thinking that would help, but it uh, didn't work itself out. So here I am in the profession having uh, practiced law for a while. Uh, but I'll be honest, I, when I was in the practice of law, I didn't love the practice of law. Um, I was in litigation and burnt out and didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Uh, and so I had to kind of make a decision. Do I stay in the profession or do I go and find something else to do? And I got to a point of realizing, you know, there are two types of people in the legal profession. There are those who practice and they're fantastic people. And then there are those people who take care of the profession and the people in it. And I decided I was 
kind of more associated with the latter. And so I made the switch from practice to uh, doing the work of caretaking in the profession. And so that means I, I do a lot of mentoring. I do a lot of professional development. I do a lot of program creation, uh, all in the hopes of creating a profession and creating lawyers uh, who are happier, healthier, and uh, more successful. Uh, outside of all of that, I'm a mom. I'm a spouse. I love to ski, love to fly fish. I, I'm from Colorado, so I do all the outdoor things. Uh, but I think that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. And um, and I love the the Colorado outdoor aspect. I've actually, I'm in New York, but I've, I've been out in, uh, I don't know which part of Colorado you're in, but I, I flew out to Denver a couple of times. I did a, a nice uh, long snowboarding trip with some friends. Um, and once you've been out there and you've experienced the, the, the powder on, on the mountains of Colorado, uh, New York skiing and snowboarding is never the same. So, um, you know, I, 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 I resonate with you there and, and wish I, at sometimes I wished I live, I wish I lived in Colorado. Um, fly fishing sounds nice. I've never done it, but, uh, uh, anything outdoors is, is really wonderful and being able to spend time out there. Um, interesting, interesting, uh, road of your, of your profession. I actually have, and it's, it's crazy, but I actually have a friend that I know um, who did exactly what you wanted to do. He became an attorney and then ended up becoming a, an FBI special agent um, uh, as an attorney. And I have another friend who became an attorney and joined the army and is now a JAG. So um, it, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely different directions that, that you're, you can go and that your profession can take you, but I love where you ended up and, and really um when we look at you know what makes um, attorneys tick, and what makes special servants like FBI agents tick, we're all out there to help the community. We out out there to help people, and you just found another place where you can help people. Um, so that's really wonderful. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice, and 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 what what is the the crux of that, and and um, and I think that's going to take us on an interesting road for this conversation. Sure. So um, Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice, or LEJ as, as we call it here, is a solo small firm incubator. Uh, but it's not just any type of incubator. Of course, you know we always want to help solo practitioners and, and small practice lawyers to build their practices. But this incubator is a little bit different. What we're focused on is helping solo practitioners to build what we call socially conscious law practices. And so what that means uh, is a couple of things. One, it means that these lawyers are focused on serving those lower to middle income clients uh, who are sort of stuck in that justice gap, the ones who make two much to qualify for legal aid, but not enough to really work with lawyers at traditional rates, utilizing you know big retainers and things like that. So the folks that are in the middle that mostly tend to proceed with their cases pro se because they either think they can't afford a lawyer or they don't know how to work with a lawyer. So uh, our, our incubator participants are building practices to meet the needs of that particular clientele. The other thing that's special about our incubator lawyers is that 
in doing that service to these clients, uh, they are not allowed to bill by the hour. We want them to create practice models that are focused on uh, helping the clients to be more uh, engaged with the case or the matter, being more a part or a participant in that work, uh, and also to provide affordable legal services in ways that are a little bit non-traditional. So we focus a lot on, on bundling, do-it-yourself services, subscription services, and pricing models that are transparent and, uh, and flexible. Uh, but also allow these lawyers to build sustainable and successful practices. And so ultimately, we see it as a win-win for clients and for lawyers because the clients are getting access to justice in a way that other, um, other legal models aren't serving them. And the lawyers are getting a chance to build a practice they want to work for, where they don't have to build their time by the hour, where they're able to uh, be entrepreneurs and to do, do, do good and do well at the same time. It's very interesting. Um, you know, the name of this podcast is Profit With Law. So the moment that you started saying, well, we've got an incubator to help people work with these lower class or middle class uh, clients who maybe can't afford traditional legal services, I immediately start thinking about, well, how are they supposed to make money, right? Like, how, like what, how is that a business model? So I am curious to dive into the specifics of you know, uh, I, and I love I love involving the client. I love having them do some of the work so that it's not all on you. Uh, and I love that you you know don't bill by the hour. And and those are all things that I agree with. And 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 it's the torch that I'm that I'm running with. Um, but what what is the business model? And how and how does a, an attorney who's focused on that target market and that that clientele how do they make a profit? Like, what, like, what, what is, what is the actual um, structure that that helps them to achieve success while at the same time providing this very much needed service to um, an underserved community? Sure, and you know the business model really varies from lawyer to lawyer, obviously based on their practice area and, and the type of work that they're doing. We spend a lot of time in our incubator talking about value-based pricing. So uh, we we help them to figure out how to price what they do in a way that will be profitable for them. And so, uh, you know, when a lot of people come into the profession, start practicing law, the billable hour is all they know. And so they've had it ingrained in their brain that, um, the value that they're bringing is basically as associated with the amount of time it takes them to do that work. And so we're actually trying to retrain these lawyers to think about what is the value that they are bringing to their clients in the work that they're doing, and then helping them to find price points for that for that value uh, that speaks to the value, but also allows them to, to build a profit into into what they're doing. Many of our uh, many of our incubator lawyers are focused on that middle middle income or middle uh, middle section. So folks who actually do have money to spend on legal services, just they don't want to pay a $10,000 retainer and they don't want to be billed $400 an hour, uh, but they do have money to spend. And so it's, I think there's sometimes a misnomer that if you focus on this middle income, uh, that it's not successful, it's not sustainable because these, these folks don't have money for legal services, when the truth is that they do. Uh, they're just looking to work with lawyers in a different way. So it's sort of the combination of retraining lawyers on how to value base uh, the the work that they're doing in their pricing system and then helping them to um, to brand and develop business and market to that middle income that certainly has money to spend uh, on the legal services uh, and to and to capture and to capitalize on that. 
So it, it's very interesting. Uh, what what exactly? I mean, you call it an incubator. Um, you know, when I think of a tech incubator, I think of you know uh, we we have a bunch of these fledgling tech companies, and we're going to find them some VC funding, and we're going to get them off the ground and get them going. Um, is is this more of uh, a, a capital infusion? Is it more of a, a expertise infusion? Like what, what does it look like in the incubator and how much involvement um, in their day-to-day operations does, does the incubator have? Yeah, so we are uh, really an expertise uh, uh, type of incubator. We don't provide capital. We don't underwrite any of the work that they're doing. They're all, you know, they form their, their practices, they form their businesses and they thrive or or don't all, you know, on, on their own volition. So we see it as our role to provide the teaching and the mentoring and the community support that these folks need uh, to, to launch these practices. And so they stay with us for a year as we provide them with this training, uh, mentoring. We do uh, have partnerships that give them office space and some, um, uh, perks like free bar membership, free CLEs, things like that. So they don't have to worry about that, but they stay with us through that year, uh, receiving all of that training. And then, um, we let them fly and we're there for their support afterwards. They can always come back and participate in more, uh, training, uh, and of course, additional mentoring, but for the most part, uh, they're sort of on their own and we're really just providing that, uh, that, uh, expertise for them. This is it's all very interesting. And I'm just, you know, wrapping my mind around the whole thing. It is. Are they paying a fee to be in the incubator or is it funded? Are you guys funded through some other uh, some other way? So they do pay a fee uh, to participate in the incubator. Uh, It's a small fee. We don't charge them for the first three months of their time in the program so that they can focus those three months on all of the things that need to be done to get a practice off the ground, getting malpractice insurance, uh, incorporating, building a website, all of those things. Then they pay a monthly fee, uh, but it's, it's a relatively small fee because Uh, we underwrite a lot of the cost as a program of the Colorado Supreme Court. So there are incubators in a number of states across the country, but as far as we know, we're the only one that's actually supported by the court rather than a bar association or a foundation or something like that. So the benefit of that means that uh, our budget, we don't fundraise for our budget. This is something that our Supreme Court here in Colorado is providing for these lawyers in underwriting a portion of that. Uh, But they do have some skin in the game with the fees that they pay to participate. Interesting. And how um, do you have a, a max capacity of how many law firms you can work with? Is there an application process? Like how does somebody become uh, a part of the incubator? And and then what? And I'm going to give you more than one question at once. Um, and then when they're done with the 12 months and they're, you know, here, fly bird fly, um, you know, are there continuing supports that that you offer to them or are they completely on their own? No, absolutely. So to join the program, uh, folks apply, and then there's an interview process. We always want to make sure this is the right fit for us as well as for them. We don't accept everybody who applies. Uh, We're really looking for lawyers who buy into this notion of uh, a socially conscious law practice. We're looking for folks who have an entrepreneurial mindset, something that can be really challenging uh, for a lot of lawyers who want predictability. And so we do go through that process. Uh, We cap it at 10 a year, 10 participants a year, just because we want to keep that cohort small so that those folks can get to know one another, work with one another, and 
so that we have the right amount of capacity to um, provide them with the support that they are, are, are seeking. Uh, so that's how they come into the program. And then when they leave the program, after the 12 months, we have an optional, um, it's a mastermind program that includes additional training. Uh, there is an additional fee for that. But if they want to stay and participate in what we sort of call, um, you know, the 2.0 or um, uh, we Think of it as the first 12 months is getting your bachelor's degree in modern law practice. The next uh, six months is really your master's degree. And so some of them choose to stay and do that if they want to talk about things, if they're ready for things like scalability. That's really where we're focusing on growth from there. How do you scale? How do you uh, diversify your practice areas, bring on staff, partner with other organizations? All of those things are covered in that secondary program. Very interesting. Um do you have a big brother, big sister kind of program where somebody is finished with their 12 months and now they can mentor somebody else who's coming in through, you know, to the incubator? Absolutely. Um, all of our cohort, past cohort members or alumni serve as mentors in our program, and they also serve as some of our trainers as well. And so we uh, we are we, we think of ourselves as building a community, building an army of these lawyers. And so we try to continue to activate them after their time in the initial program as 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 mentors and as teachers. It's a really, really unique and 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 cool um, program that you have. It's a shame it's limited to ten. Um, I, I I really like the concept. I like the idea, and I like the way that you're that you're helping them build the build the practice. So very um, very interesting. Now, what's is what if anything is being done to? Um, uh, you know, they're, they're social conscious with who, you know, what, what clients they're trying to serve, what other things are they, you know, in the, the realm of, of being social conscious, are they uh, also focusing on? Is there a specific uh, type of staff that they're, that they're after? Is there a specific um, practice area that they're trying to work in? Um, that's part of that, that social consciousness that's being promoted. Absolutely. We do uh, look for folks who are interested in practicing in areas that tend to uh, be underserved or, or serve the underserved. And so we we have folks who do immigration, family law, uh, small business. It has become increasingly important uh, bankruptcy. We we do have preclusions on folks who do work like um, like personal injury. And the reason for that is that personal injury law as a practice model, because it's mostly contingency based, there's not so much of an access to justice issue there. People can go and hire a lawyer at no cost um, and, and, uh, and, and have their, their needs met. And so we don't take on folks like that because that, that market is served. So we're looking for people who want to work in those areas where uh, we see the most pro se uh, litigants, at least in Colorado, um, and who are trying to serve those underserved folks. And what's been really interesting as we've been uh, running this incubator is it's one of the most diverse programs that we have here in Colorado. When you look at the lawyers who are participating, they all represent a, a, a huge number of demographics and communities that we've not been otherwise able to um, able to engage. And so it's been wonderful to see these lawyers who I think would count themselves as underrepresented or historically marginalized coming out of these programs as business owners and as thriving lawyers. And that's been wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and, um, 
uh, a great mission. I, I love I love what you're doing there. Um, I know that that um, this is the more exciting thing to talk about. But what is the Colorado Attorney Mentoring Program as opposed to Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice? And, um, and are they related in some way? Yes. So CAMP is really the uh, the overarching office that LEJ is a part of. So uh, as I mentioned, we're an office of the Colorado Supreme Court, which is wonderful. It means that our court has made an investment uh, in our lawyers here in Colorado. And so the CAMP program was is the older program. It's been around since 2013. Uh, and really its mission is, I always like to say, to help people find their, their people uh, their place and their purpose in the legal profession. And so we help folks to identify mentors. We provide professional development. We do trainings on diversity, equity, and inclusion. We work in the well-being realm uh, and really think about all of those things that that are pain points in the profession for many lawyers who are either new or transitioning in the profession. And so uh, we try to um, to be sort of the guidance counselor, if you will, for, for lawyers in Colorado. And so that's the umbrella organization. And LEJ uh, was actually a standalone C3 for a couple of years when it first started. Um, and because of funding issues was was having struggles. And so we ultimately acquired that program and have now pulled it under our umbrella. So it fits in nicely as a mission related program to the um, to the overarching work of the camp program. Very, very interesting. How can somebody if somebody uh, who's listening to this wants to find out more about it? Um, how can they get more information about it? So everything uh, about our programs are on our websites. Uh, you can go to coloradomentoring.org to learn more about the CAMP program and then lejco.org for the LEJ program. Um, and the websites are really substantive and give you all the information you would you would want to know. Is it is the, the cohort a calendar-based cohort? Like, are you about to start with a new set of 10... Uh, uh, budding law entrepreneurs on January 1st. Is that how it works? We are. We launch every January. So we'll start on January 3rd. We do a two-week boot camp. And it's an intensive boot camp where we um, obviously describe the program, but get these folks in the entrepreneurial mindset. We find that for these lawyers to be successful, they have to start seeing themselves as business owners and entrepreneurs from day one. And for those folks who have been in practice and only focused on the mechanics of practice, that takes some time. So we do a very intensive two-week boot camp, and then we launch into our uh, routine trainings from there. Got it. So I'm, I'm assuming there's an application period. When when do you open applications and when do you close them uh, leading into that new cohort in January? We take applications all year long. They close uh, usually around Halloween, and then we do interviews through uh, November. So uh, folks can apply at any point in the year before before November 1st, uh, and we'll hold your application till we're ready to interview. Got it. Um, and, and I mean, the selection, you, you only have 10 spots, right? And I have no idea how many applicants you're getting, but I, I imagine that you have to say yes to some and no to others, right? So how do you make that, that selection? How do you make that choice? Um, it's gotta be tough for you, uh, to be able to, to say, oh, you know, these are the people we're going to take a shot on. It's always challenging, of course, uh, but we really do focus on that element of fit. And uh, there's a lot of, 
a lot of times where we we both come to the conclusion that the fit's not there, usually through the interview process, as we're learning more about the types of practices people want to start or what their vision is, it starts to become clear that this may not be the best place uh, for them. And, and they understand that just as we understand that. So uh, we luck out sometimes in not having to have too many difficult conversations as uh, that element of fit becomes pretty clear. Um, so we do have to turn away folks, uh, you know, when it's just, it's not that fit because of practice area. Um, sometimes we have folks who are, have just been struggling in the job market and think, I'm going to hang a shingle. That's going to be the thing you know, I'm going to do you know, for my own um, sense of financial security, but they haven't really bought into the notion of being a business owner, being an entrepreneur. And that's where we say, take some time, come back, you know, spend, spend a year building your practice uh, and then come back uh, if this is still where you want to be. Uh, and so we, we, that's why we do interview uh, so that we can get to know them and really get to understand the other thing is some people aren't prepared to take on the, the financial aspects of being out on their own. Uh, they haven't really thought through what happens if I quit my job to do this. How am I going to mm -hmm. support myself? Um, so we have to talk through that with them and they realize, you know what, I'm not ready. Uh, and so those are the kind of conversations that we're having, again, because we want people who are in the program to have the best chance of success. We don't want to bring in folks who uh, are going to struggle or who are going to get to the end of this and realize it wasn't a good use of their time. So uh, we try to utilize our methodology to make sure we're, we're bringing in the folks who have the best chance uh, to be successful in the program. Yeah. Um, really good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I, I, I love it. Um, I, I'm going to ask you some questions offline. Uh, curious to, to see if, if there's anything that we can do to help you, um, with, with the promotion of it. Uh, I, I, I think it's great that you're giving this opportunity to, to folks to, to get their, their foot on feet on the ground in, in the right way, you know, starting off the right way. Um, I just wish that you, that you had more spots. Um, is everybody who's coming in just starting out brand new or, or do, are, are they, some of them have a practice already running and, and they're, they're kind of hit and restart. We see a little bit of everybody. We have folks who are brand new law grads uh, and they know this is what they want to do. And they, uh, they tell us that even before they graduate from law school and they're, they're ready and they're um, you know ready to go. We have folks who are not new to practice, but new to solo practice. So they've been, they are quite experienced. They've worked for other law firms. They have caseloads. They bring some of their clients with them. And then we have folks who have, um, who are experienced solo practitioners, but are looking to change their model and their methodology to be more focused on this access to justice, socially conscious way of practicing. And so we, it runs the gamut. And, and again, as we're putting together our cohorts, we also look for that element of diversity. It's great when some of the folks who have already been in practice in solo practice can help mentor their own cohort members in some of the startup uh, phases that are happening. Uh, and so we're always looking for that dynamic as well, but we really do see, see it all. Awesome. Um, Ryan, this has been great. I really appreciate you being here and sharing all this uh, with us. And um, you, are, you already shared the URLs earlier. We're going to share that up in our show notes. So folks, if you go to profitwithlaw.com, you can access the show notes to this episode there. Uh, you can also look in the description of your podcast player. Uh, usually it fits. We, we put the show notes in there as well. And there's a resources section that has everything linked up. Um, I'm going to ask you, I ask all of my guests when they're leaving to leave us one parting piece of advice, piece of wisdom for our listeners. Uh, if you had one thing to share that you they, they, they can walk away uh, with a golden nugget uh, from this conversation with, what would that be? 
oh, the pressure's on. I think, you know, what I tell everybody is, uh, you know, to, to set your own definition of success. In this profession, it's really easy to live somebody else's idea of what success is or vision for success. And the more that you can uh, articulate that for yourself, the happier and probably more successful you're ultimately going to be. Awesome. Love it. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here. Folks, if this is your first time listening to the Prof with Law podcast and you enjoyed this conversation, we'd love it if you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. This way you get notified every time we release a new episode. We're here at least once a week, every Thursday with another guest interview. Uh, there's well over 300 interviews in the archive as well, or conversations or episodes in the archives as well. Uh, you can go back and binge on those, listen to a bunch of them. There are a lot of really good stuff uh, that we've already produced and uh, therefore for the taking. Um, last thing is if you think that this is something that could help somebody else, somebody that, you know, um, we'd love it if you just shared this episode with them, uh, let them take a listen, let them and let them learn from it, appreciate, uh, something that we, that, that you gleaned from it, uh, share that with them. Uh, really it's, it, you know, the word of word of mouth is the best way to, to share this podcast and, and, and allow our message to grow and our ability to, to help you, um, help others to grow as well. So, uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the Profit With Law podcast. Your feedback is extremely valuable to us as well as helping us reach more people with this valuable content. Please leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast directory. Join us again next time when we are back with even more strategies to profit with law.